Hello again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 81. I am Michael Citro, the managing editor and founder of TheMainland.com. I'm joined by Mainland writer Dave Rowe. Dave, how are we doing this week? We're doing good. I don't have as many vacation days this week, but, you know, still not too bad. Uh, and, of course, happy to be here. Nice. Well, I'm taking a half a day on Thursday to go to the Orlando Pride Media Day. Nice. And we'll we'll talk plenty about the Orlando Pride during the, the course of this 81st episode of the, the podcast. We've got lots to get to, so I want to dive right in and talk about the fact that Orlando City, David Rowe, is now 3-0 and in the new Purple Palace, and uh, it's become a little bit of a fortress. 1-0 win over the New York Red Bulls on Sunday and uh, on national television again. Uh, give me your overall thoughts uh, on how the game went. My first thought is I was more right than you were. That was your first thought. That's your takeaway from the entire thing. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. No, <laughs> uh, no my, my, uh, my thought was uh, – my first thought was actually um, I, I was glad that we got the goal. I was glad we got the win. But honestly, once again, the defensive effort. Um, you said it yourself, a fortress. And what do you do at a fortress? You defend. And the team as a whole did an excellent job of defending, um, especially Jonathan Spector and the the back line, but everybody the entire the entire time. So we get the one goal that we need, but um, most importantly, we limited opportunities for them to score and uh, to the fact that it was zero. Um, but yeah, just the the dedication to maintaining that win streak at home was obvious in how they played the entire game. Yeah, it was a, a desperate Red Bulls team coming in. Uh, we saw that last year. It was a, a one and six New York Red Bulls team that hosted Orlando City last year and, and got off the uh, off the skids uh, with a big win, a comeback win over Orlando City in uh, Red Bull Arena. A year ago, this year they come in not quite as bad, just uh, two, two and one, but winless in their last three. They come in very desperate. You could tell from the get-go uh, that they were going to come out hard. They were pressing hard very early. It was it was evident that they they had a taste for victory. They wanted to go for it. They were confident they could beat Orlando City. Um, I mentioned to our own Austin David up in the uh, the press box on. On Sunday, I said um, they need to weather at least the first 25 minutes of this because it's it's going to be a bit of an onslaught. And mm-hmm. kind of surprisingly, it was a little bit more back and forth than I thought. But it, but there was uh, certainly some some danger from Bradley Wright Phillips. There was a, a, an early ball over the top that that fell for him. Um, there was you know there were there were a few different chances that the Red Bulls had early, and they were they were making life pretty miserable for Orlando City in the middle of the pitch. Uh, Orlando City had ca- uh, come out in a, a diamond midfield for a change. They had been playing the flat 4-4-2. And I think you could tell, at least in the first half, there was a bit of indecision on where to make that next forward pass. It was a, you know, they had safety behind them, but they, you know, they would turn and it wasn't instinctive. They didn't know where to go with the ball. There was that moments of just split-second hesitation that, you know, the moment was gone and the, the, the pass was no longer there. So... Um, when you're playing a good team like the Red Bulls, they're, you're already going to be under pressure, and if you're not exactly sure where you're going next, it's going to be a little difficult to operate in the middle of the pitch, especially when things get crowded. But I thought that the team, for the most part, came through it well. When they gave up the ball, they fought hard to get back on it. Um, a little bit more defensive-minded play from uh, from Jason Christ as he put out Christian Nikita on one of the wings of the diamond, uh, opposite Will Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, with no Chirino underneath and uh, Matias Perez Garcia on top, and uh, shortly into the game, lost Antonio Nocherino. Just 17 minutes in, um, the birthday boy, Antonio yep. Nocherino, celebrating his 32nd birthday, and that's not the birthday present you want—a calf injury—and the Italian has to get subbed out. And he had been playing well this season, and um, it's hard to know really how much that had to affect. Um, the offense, but it did affect the offense in a positive way because 17 minutes after the substitution, the man who replaced No Torino, Servando Carrasco, uh, got his head on a corner kick and put it in the back of the net, and uh, it was 1 0. And um, Orlando City, right in front of the wall, the wall was celebrating, and 
The place was nuts and it was loud and pandemonium and dogs and cats living together. And not to take anything away from uh, Sarando because it was uh, he was perfectly positioned. It was an excellent header, exactly where he needed to be, exactly how it needed to be done. The corner in though from Will Johnson was a thing of beauty, and um, it, that was that was exactly how you want a set piece like that to go. So it, it, was, it really was. Yeah. yeah, Servando said after the game that it was a set play and that uh, Will's delivery was was inch perfect because. You, you saw Laren make a near post run, and what he did was he captured the attention of all of the defenders in that area. <laughs> the guy who was uh, supposedly covering Servando sort of went off of him a little bit when he saw that Laren was going to be making a near post run, and and then by the time the ball got there, it was really just Servando boxing out Luis Robles and, uh, and heading it into the net. And, you know, credit to Servando because that ball, he had to lose track of it up for a just a split second right before mm-hmm. it got to his head because the players cleared him right before the right as the ball was arriving and yep. so he, he had to lose sight of it for just that split second he still was able uh, to get on it a, a, a lot more difficult than it looked the other we, good thing about that goal was that it, it got will johnson into the game because will was a little bit absent for the first half hour of the game um part of that was i think just making sure scott sutter was settled in on that side Mm-hmm. And and part of it too, I think, was the was the new shape and the ball was works mainly on the left side and they weren't able to to get the the field of play switched very often. Yeah, agreed. And and you know, taking a step back, we can't really blame those defenders for following Kyle because that's what I would do. Sure. Um, so you know, uh, being the the set piece that it was and and Kyle making that run to allow you know to to pull the defenders. Um, to allow us Rondo to, to head that ball in very nicely um, was it it was a thing of beauty. Um, we had guests here at the row Casa and there was lots of celebrating going on uh, when we saw that. Um, and you're right about uh, Johnson. It was uh, I don't know like you said I don't know if it was the the, the diamond or worrying about um, Sutter, but you know whatever it was that allowing him to do that woke him up and allowed him to, you know, play better the rest of the game. I think uh, you, you got to look at the midfield. Overall, the team didn't pass very well in this game. And I think that, that credit New York for part of that, for, for keeping sure. the team under pressure. Um, but also because of the, the, you know, little slight variations in what they were playing compared to what they played the first few games. Uh, I think there were, there was just some rust there in terms of, of playing the diamond. So, um, you know, the passing was a little bit off, although one guy who did pass well was Krishna Gita. In fact, normally Krishna Gita is not very good in the final third, but on Sunday he was very good everywhere on the pitch. In fact, yeah. uh, he gave Rivas a layup and, and Rivas lost control of the ball uh, in the box. So that yep. was unfortunate, but um, uh, really nice through ball for, for that. Um, and we mentioned that the ball over the top for, for Bradley Wright Phillips was a danger moment for Orlando. Um, Bendit came out and made the save. New York fans think there should have been a penalty given because he made contact after the shot with with Phillips, but I don't believe that's the case. I, I think if you're two guys going after a ball, he made the initial save, so he got the ball first, and right. the ball came back off of Bradley Wright Phillips, headed toward goal, looked like a sure goal, and then Jonathan Spector swooped in at the last moment like a Spector and <laughs> cleared that sucker right off the line to, to, to prevent a goal, and that was a vital moment in the game as it turned out. Um, uh, we had not as bad of a Carlos Rivas as we had against Columbus, but still not the sharpest Carlos Rivas because he he had a couple of missed um, uh, uh, free kicks. That free kicks, w- yeah. They weren't really that off. I mean, you'll see Giovinco do similar things throughout the season, but you know you'll also see the the spectacular ones as well. Um, right. Rivas wasn't able to quite pull either of those off. He did make a phenomenal cross to Laren that. I got to say 98 times out of a hundred Laren heads that into the back of the net, but he just yep. didn't get it quite right and, and missed the net. Um, there was another moment that Laren didn't quite get right. It, it, he wasn't as sharp as, as it could have easily been three goals for Orlando or, or even he, more. The, Cause the, I know what you're going to say that second time he should have one balled it and you know, just, you know, one touch and it should have gone in and he did something funny that was not, you know, just one touching that, that second one that you're talking about and, and no goal. 
Yeah, with the 67th minute, um, there was a bit of nervy play in the back, uh, but it eventually the Orlando defense was able to get free in the corner. Rivas came back to help, made a, a one-touch pass to, to MPG, who made a marvelous scorching one-touch pass down the, down the field to Laren, who stayed on his side of the center line until after the kick. So he was onside, yep. broke in behind the defense, took one touch, and just absolutely bewildered the two Red Bulls defenders. And then he was alone in on Robles, and uh, he... He carried it into the top of the box. I think maybe he wasn't quite going full speed because he wanted to go in under control, didn't mm-hmm. want a heavy touch. Uh, and then he took the shot from the top of the box, and Robles was able to make a, a diving save. Um, I, I saw some people criticizing Kyle for the decision to shoot when he did, but there was a defender closing from the side. So if he caught that movement out of the side of his eye, he he had to think, I got to get I got to get something off here before the the guy comes in and. You know, if you're Kyle Aaron, there's no reason to think that this guy's going to stop my shot. Right. So yeah. Robles made a great play, and, you know, it's one of those things where you tip your cap because he kept his team in the game at that point. He really did, and I agree. I think that uh, it, the, the scoreline really should have been, you know, three goals for Orlando. Uh, there was chances that that typically would have gone in, mm-hmm. um, especially for Kyle. And so it was, it was a little little odd in that respect that, uh, you know, love the fact that Servando got that goal and obviously it was the winning one. But uh, at the same time, I'm, I was a little bit bewildered uh, as I was watching that, that it, it was one of those, how did that, how, how was that not a better shot? How was that not a better, you know, mm-hmm. okay, well done by the keeper, but it, it was, it was definitely a little odd. But, you know, that's that's soccer. It happens that yeah. way sometimes. Now, if Kyle hits that perfectly, he's going to curl that out of Robles's reach and curl it into the into the net around him. He didn't quite get enough spin on it and get it quite out far enough. But uh, that's not an easy play to make. And he, he certainly, no. uh, you know, like I said, I tip my hat to Robles. Robles also made a nice diving save on a Rivas shot early uh, mm-hmm. in the match as well. Uh, and another couple guys came very close. Uh, Scott Sutter came within inches of, of opening his account. MPG sent one just inches wide of the post uh, off a nice Rivas assist. I, I, you know, it sounded like I was down on Rivas a little bit the, when I started this segment. But, um, you know, looking back at some of the plays he made, he did he did do a nice job overall. Just not quite where he was against Philadelphia. But, again, the opponent, you take that into account and uh, – you know, and there's, there's certainly something to be said about that. And I want to take my hat off to, to Aurelian Collin, who did play a very nice game for New York. Yeah, he, um, he absolutely did. His, his job was to make life miserable for Kyle Aaron, and he did. And he, he got away with some fouls, but, uh, uh, you know, he still got his, his yellow card and his fair share of calls against him. So, uh, you know, so, so a typical a typical Collin game. Exactly, exactly. We didn't get the own goal from from Aurelian Collin, but uh, a nice gesture before the game too. He 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 came over in front of the wall and applauded the uh, Orlando fans. So that was a nice moment from from yeah. him. See, everybody wants to be a lion. Um, anyway, uh, you know, at the end of the game, a lot of fouling. It was getting very frustrating. They, they wouldn't string two two passes together. Uh, they just, you know, sent it up the field to nobody in particular, lose it, and then defend and foul. So yeah. there was a bevy of free kicks at the end for New York, and a couple of them Colin got his head to. But um, in the end, they couldn't really do much about it. Bendik wasn't really forced to make too many good saves. Um, maybe his biggest intercession was the the one on Bradley Wright Phillips early in the game. Uh, yeah. But it, it was a good day. He did make one another late save on Bradley Wright Phillips, which didn't look like BWP had any angle at all from the left side. And he curled one in and, and Bendik was like, Oh, that's going to go in. Stuck his, <laughs> stuck his hand up and tipped it over to bar. So that was nice. Um, but overall, you know, a solid team win. And, and, you know, Jason Christ said it best after the game is it's, it's a testament to how together this team is that they want to go out and, and get results at home and, and, not be broken at home, but mm-hmm. at the same time, they have to do a better job possessing the ball to keep some of that pressure off because at some point you will break. Your defense will break. doesn't matter how stalwart your defense is. It's going to take a weird bounce or something and, and end up on the wrong foot and, and uh, you know, cost you, cost you a game or cost you points. So uh, a good game overall for Orlando City. Three wins out of three tries now against 
last year's Eastern Conference playoff teams. So uh, that's a pretty important stat. Two points a game, uh, well, two point. 2.25 points per game the team is earn, earning now, and one point out of first place in the Eastern Conference, although very early, uh, two games in hand against Columbus, so mm-hmm. uh, which is leading the lead, uh, the Eastern Conference. Give me your man of the match, Dave. Uh, man of the match for me is Jonathan Spector. Um, he was on it all night, and that, uh, that kick to... S- Keep that goal out from uh, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, the moment he did that, it was um, – as I'm watching the game, in my head, I was like, it's going to take somebody doing something absolutely spectacular to change him from being man of the match at that point. And uh, there really wasn't anything that was that much more spectacular. I mean, he – that saved the – that saved the result for me. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's in addition to everything else he did. I mean, obviously, um, you know, he, he made it difficult, uh, for the Red Bulls all night. Um, and as he's been doing all year directed the back line. So yeah, for me, no doubt, um, Jonathan Spector. So guys that looked good to me were, um, I thought MPG looked good, uh, really playing hard defensively, which I was, I was led to believe from the guys out in West that MPG doesn't play defense. And apparently he does for Jason Christ because he he really was, I mean, six tackles. He was all over the place. Just had a battle royale with Felipe Martins in the middle of the pitch the whole game. And they were, it seemed like they were always colliding and hurting each other. And, um, and I, I think Jason thought, even made a note of that. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I thought Scott Sutter acquitted himself very well in his first MLS start. I thought he played very well. He was a dangerous attacking player up the right side, and he also uh, tracked back very well and, and, and played well positionally con- considering he was playing next to a young guy who also had a good game, Tommy Redding. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Tommy played very well, still not strong enough in the air. He was definitely getting beat on aerials, but he is uh, still a work in progress. And as, as Jason Christ said after the game, he's he's not even scratched the surface of his potential yet. So if he... If he can start to to do that and to reach that potential, he's going to be a very special player for Orlando City in the future. So, and I believe I believe this is a contract year for Tommy. So, it's very important that he has a good year too, and 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 shows Orlando City that you know he should be here for a while. First homegrown mm-hmm. player. Um, so, but yeah, but despite those guys playing well, and I thought also Christian Aguita played well, I, I also give my man of the match to Jonathan Spector. He just continues to lead on that back line by example and vocally, and um, he just seems to f- have such a feel for the game. And even physically outmatched by a guy like, um, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips, he still just gives no quarter. He just he just fights with everything he's got. So um, he's my man of the match. Jonathan Spector had a good game, and if he continues uh, to play like this, he may be in the MLS Best 11 at the end of the season. Absolutely, and and for the first time this uh, season, we uh, all agree, both uh, <laughs> you, I, and uh, and our uh, man of the match on the on the mainland, uh, yeah. we all picked Jonathan Spector. So obviously, the man did something right. <laughs> all right, uh, OCB played this weekend also Saturday night. Um, they took on Charlotte, and the Young Lions uh, scratched out a 1-1 draw. It was a very hard-fought match, entertaining match, chances for both teams. Um, OCB went down a goal and rallied to, to score a goal. I think um, Albert Dequa played a very good game up top at striker, and, and they got a result. So they finished 1-1-1 and on the homestand, and um, they are uh, sitting on four points and uh, you know after starting the, the season 0 and two that's not a bad place to be at this point Charlotte's a very difficult team to break down and they they definitely proved to be difficult on Saturday night uh, but OCB was able to scratch out a point really could have scored a second goal late as Richie Larea had a, a late run down the pitch and um, he's the first to tell you now that if he didn't realize how much room he had or he would have just rounded mm-hmm. the keeper and just tucked it in the net but uh, instead, he tried a, a longer shot, kind of like Laren did, and uh, the keeper was able to get a hand on it, keep it out. So um, unfortunate, but Anthony Pulis' side uh, did uh, go out and scratch out a point against a pretty good Eastern Conference uh, opponent, and uh, probably one of the teams they're going to need to be battling for, for one of those bottom playoff spots is, is you would expect that a team 
like OCB, probably not going to be in the top few teams in the Eastern Conference. They're a young team, new, you know, a lot of new players, going to see a lot of different lineup changes this year. Uh, they were playing without Pierre Da Silva, who was suspended due to uh, the red card the game before. Uh, so that can all that considered, not a bad result for Anthony Pulis's uh, men. Well, and uh, the the thing that uh, I want to point out is that Zach Carroll, who we interviewed last week, was honored with the captain's armband for this game. So mm-hmm. I'm going to assume it was because he talked to us. Well, yeah, that's definitely showing leadership qualities coming on the podcast. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I joke, of course. Obviously, it's because he's doing a good job, and um, and uh, um, which is, you know, of course, why we had him on the, mm-hmm. on the cast uh, anyway. But um, good showing by the uh, the the young lines, especially considering that uh, DeSol was out. Um, you know, if he's in there, we may have a, a different result. So um, it's. Uh, to, to be able to come back, uh, even that, get the uh, the point, I thought it was a a well-fought match and very proud of, of how they played and, and stayed in that to, to get that to get that result. So three-game uh, three road trip coming up for OCB. Very difficult uh, teams in there. New York Red Bulls, too, on Friday. Uh, then they will play early next week against um, Harrisburg. And uh, then they'll finish the trip with uh, Bethlehem Steel, which uh, is is looking like a solid unit this year. So, um, you know, it's early in the USL season, but Orlando City B, with, with four early points, they, they seem to have started to put things together, despite the fact that they're playing with different lineups every night. Jordan Schweitzer got his first run out with OCB. Uh, we saw Zach Ellis Hayden for the first time this year. Um, Scott Thompson. So there were some new faces in the lineup once again. Albert Dequa got his first uh, start as a professional and, and scored a goal. He was dangerous all night, so he he definitely deserved a goal. Um, and uh, just just a really solid performance by Riley Kraft and, and Austin Martz again. So it's good to see the young Lions, and really these were some of the really young Lions, especially when you talk about Riley Kraft, <laughs> uh, having a good run, and, and Earl Edwards Jr., Again, with a, a vital one-handed diving save uh, to preserve points for OCB. So, uh, Anthony Pulis' side hits the road, and hopefully they'll they'll get a few. You know, if they could if they could go one one and one on the road trip of this caliber, uh, that would that would really set them up nicely uh, heading into the the middle of the summer or the, Absolutely. the, the middle of the season. So, uh, good luck to them. Uh, of course, there was some big news in the on the women's side this week. Um, we talked really? about we talked about Marta last week, and we, we I, I believe I said that if you're gonna dream, dream big. <laughs> I believe I said that there was there was definitely some smoke uh, when it comes to Marta, and we weren't just trolling people that that could actually happen. And lo and behold, on Friday it happened, and uh, so five-time World Player of the Year Marta, Brazilian international legend, is going to be suiting up for the Orlando Pride as soon as her her paperwork and visa and all that stuff are done. I talked to the folks uh, on Sunday uh, with the Pride, and they said that they're hoping to have her uh, in time for the first game, definitely in time for the first home game. Um, I don't think she would necessarily play if you know if, if she's somehow able to arrive before the Portland match. I don't think that she would be in the lineup necessarily unless she came off the bench. But uh, certainly they're targeting her for the big uh, fill the bowl campaign for the home opener uh, a week from Saturday. So um, uh, the pride looking pretty solid. Uh, you know, they've seemed to have addressed all of the issues from last year. Give up too many goals, sign Alana Kennedy and, um, you know, bring in another defensive uh, type player like Camilla and you know, Allie Krieger. Allie Krieger, obviously. And, you know, you, you also say, well, they didn't score enough goals, especially when Alex Morgan wasn't there. Ah, let's just go get Marta. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so, you know, <laughs> let's just go get the most prolific player in the history of, you know, women's soccer. Okay, fine. Yeah, um, I mean, she is she's not the goal scorer like Abby Wambach, just an absolute poacher, but she makes the other players around her better because she's not just a one-trick pony with scoring goals. She also creates room and creates chances for her teammates. So, um, you know, she's very, very good with the ball on her feet. 
and you know she just makes makes things happen out on the pitch so it's, it's going to be exciting to see her in uh, in purple in fact we've, there was a picture on on twitter today there's already marta jerseys being seen in the stadium for orlando city game so so marta mania has begun well you don't win the uh fifa world player of the year five times uh without there being something to it um really no no i'm pretty <laughs> sure uh you know look we, we, kaka has won it one time and we all know how we feel about him well Marta is essentially the Messi of the women's game. So um, it's the biggest signing in NWSL history, yeah, without I, a doubt, yeah, period. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and she's going to make the team better. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Pride uh, with our special guest, Pride rookie Danica Evans, in just a bit. In fact, it's really cool that now they have two Evanses on the team, so now they can have a D Evans and an M Evans out on the jerseys. Um, (laughs) and uh, you know the pride have a very difficult road game against portland to start the season portland's a very accomplished team very very difficult to to beat anywhere especially at their place and you know they won't have alex morgan they're not gonna have marta for that game so you know they're gonna have to go out there and try to grind out a win and it's not gonna be easy so they're gonna need a full team effort uh chioma Ubagagu has looked very good in the preseason. Hopefully she can get on the score sheet in the first game. Steph Catley returns to the scene of her first uh, goal with the Orlando Pride. Uh, she scored the first goal in, in team history at Portland. So, um, you know, hopefully that bodes well for her to maybe return to the score sheet. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens this weekend. It's just going to be exciting to have the team back in action. Uh, they are going to be on lifetime in the, in the first game of the week. Uh, on the new national broadcast package for the NWSL. And they're going to also be the following week, also going to be on Lifetime for the home opener. So, uh, But we're hoping that everybody in Orlando will fill the stadium for that and um, you know, and sell out and, and set a new NWSL record. Yeah, and there's absolutely no reason why that shouldn't happen. I mean, between uh, just the fans themselves being – very supportive, but also the the quality of the the roster that is, is hitting the field. Um, whether Marta comes off the bench or starts uh, for that uh, fill the bowl event shouldn't matter. It's it's a pride thing, mm. and, I, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Um, so the fact that it's going to be on Lifetime two weeks in a row and then seven actually out of 22 times that they're going to, so they're going to lifetime is going to have 22 game of the weeks. Seven of those are going to include the pride. Absolutely. It's what does be, that tell you? What does that tell you about how much the NWSL and lifetime values the product that is the Orlando pride? Well, part of that is going to be obviously the stadium helped with that. Uh, of course. I, I think there was probably some backdoor rumblings about this Marta thing happening um, for in order to get those to get that many games. And, um, I'm, and and certainly, you know, having national team stars like like Krieger and Morgan and Harris helped out with that as well. So, um, you know, it's good that they're going to be on national TV, but we still when they're at the stadium, we want everybody to be there because they really deserve the support uh, of the fans. And, and I think that. That I think fans are going to be pretty excited about the product this year as opposed to last year. I think Tom Sermani's had a full off season now. Uh, he's built the depth of this team up, and uh, to the point where there's probably some good players that are going to be on the bench uh, that maybe used to be in the starting eleven. So um, it'll be fun to watch, and I'm I'm excited to see what shape he's going to use. I mean, if he comes out in that three-five. Uh, two or or if he goes to a four four two or whatever he's going to be doing, uh, I'm interested to see exactly how the Pride are going to play, uh, both with and without Alex Morgan. So uh, it's going to be fun. I do want to say that. Uh, so my dad is a soccer fan. He's the one who got me into it. Um, I broke the Marta news to him, and um, he was like, "Okay, cool." And then I said, and when I said, "Now just imagine, Marta." And Alex up top, and his response via text was, "Wow, absolutely." That's I mean I think that's everybody's. Uh, I, I saw people that are not even Orlando fans just talking about 
you know, just doing a quick Twitter search and it was like, oh man, they're so stacked. Um, <laughs> so it's really great because, you know, I look at Portland and I see a stacked team because look at this roster. I mean, Lindsey Horan, Ali Long, Dagny Brinier's yeah. daughter, uh, Christine Sinclair, Emily Sonnet, Megan Klingenberg, Adriana French, Tobin Heath, uh, Amandine Henri. I mean, that's just... That's a stacked that's, team. That's a ludicrous roster right there. Uh, Nadia Nadim. I mean, come on. This yeah, team, absolutely. Th- this team is very, very good. It's it's going to be a very difficult uh, battle. Um, you know, if they could just fashion a draw in that first game uh, before they start getting their, some here's, of their star players in, that would be a big, big result for the team. You're absolutely right. Here's the thing. Um, so given as first game of the season, yes, if we draw, call it a win. Later in the year, though, after the Pride have had time to settle in and every, I mean, you know, we've got our own list of players. I mean, Marta, mm-hmm. Alex, Krieger. Sure. Now, when Portland, when Portland comes in, if, right. the, if the Pride is it is it full, you know, strength playing at home, that right. that's that you know, then you're looking for a win. I think at, at, I think this right. game on the road. There, I mean, Tom Sermani's going to go out there and look for a win. Of course he is. Of course. Um, but you know. As a uh, being realistic as a fan, a draw is a pretty good, uh, pretty good result if they get one. So, and I, I completely agree. What I was getting at is that that so you're saying you, you are looking at their roster going, oh my god, look at all those players. Everybody else is going to look at our roster and go, oh my god, look at all those players. <laughs> I, I would say right now, to me, looking at just rosters, uh, you know, on paper. You got to think that the Portland and Orlando are two of the two of the better teams in the league. You know, Seattle's going to be up there again, and and you know, North Carolina Courage, who used to be the the New York Western New York Flash, coming off a championship, they're going to be you know a, a team to to reckon with as well. So, uh, and then you know, Chicago Red Stars. So th- those are those are teams that I think are going to be vying for those top four spots. So yes, um, it, and and pretty excited to to see this thing coming together. It's unfortunate that you know it's going to be taking place in midday when orlando city's taking on the la galaxy on saturday so um but uh, you know hopefully they'll they'll do good numbers for for lifetime and and big big uh props to lifetime for for taking a chance on on the nwsl absolutely um and then you know the home opener is a week from saturday and washington spirit are coming in and uh, they were a very strong team last year, but they have seen an, an exodus of very good players. Uh, they'll still have a pretty good team, uh, but they probably won't be anywhere near what, like what they were last year. But uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk more about the pride with our with our special guest now, uh, uh, as we are very excited uh, to have a member of the pride here on uh, the first week of their season, first match week of their season. Uh, you know, be nice enough to come on our show. So uh, we're going to get to our interview with Danica Evans right after this. All right. Joining us this week on the mainland podcast. Very happy to have Orlando pride forward Danica Evans with us. Danica is one of the, uh, the team's uh, draft selections this past year and uh, will be coming into her rookie season. Danica, welcome and, and uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. So I want to just uh, dive right in and ask you, when did you know you were you were going to make the team and, and you know, how did you take the news of, of your uh, your offer and, and all of that and, how, and what was your reaction to Tom Sermani uh, giving you that news? Um, I found out last week, uh, we had individual meetings and they, they asked us all to come in and Tom offered me, um, a spot on the team and on, I was very, very happy. Um, I was like, Oh, you guys are going to make me cry. Like I was just so, so excited and grateful that they gave me the opportunity to play on the team and start my, start my professional career here. Well, excellent. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, what uh, I'm wondering, what it is, how how your first preseason uh, um, as a professional is is coming along. What's uh, what's different than you thought? What is meeting your expectations? Um, I mean, it's definitely different from college, and I think the one thing that is very very different for me is the tempo of play and 
I'm definitely learning from all the older girls, which is exactly what I want to do. And um, the coaching staff has been so welcoming and all the girls just really helped, especially all of us like newcomers. They really welcomed, welcomed us to the team. And it's just like, it's just a good environment. And they're, we're surrounded by good people, which makes it enjoyable to come to soccer every day. And it makes it easy for us to learn and I mean, that's the biggest thing right now for me is just to develop as a player, and I'm definitely doing that here with Tom and Kano and with these like amazing players that I get to play with every day. Now, Danica, one of the things that we learned about you from your college days was that you have uh, you know, a very amazing flip throw that you do, and I just wanted to know sort of when it was that you picked that up and how did you – how did you learn it, and how do you do it without killing yourself? <laughs> so um, I did competitive gymnastics um, my whole life. So I ended up stopping gymnastics my junior year in high school, and I, I I committed to the University of Portland for soccer my sophomore year. And so I decided to stop doing gymnastics, like beginning my junior year in high school and to mainly focus on soccer. And I, I always like was able to do it. I did it a few times in club, um, but I never was able to do it at the university of Portland because of the field and how it was structured. So I never did it until I transferred to the university of Colorado and they loved it. And I mean, it, we scored off of it multiple times. The other teams, we got own goals. They scored own goals off of it, and we made Sports Center number two play um, once off of it this this last year. So, pretty exciting. But it's just about doing the flip, honestly. And I've done it for so long that I know how to do it. And it's like I probably won't ever kill myself. So. <laughs> Well, I, I get I pull something just watching the video of it. <laughs> yeah, that's what most people say. People always ask me <laughs> them, but I'm like, it's not something I could teach you. <laughs> well, obviously, that's something that uh, you can contribute to the uh, the pride going forward. Um, you were talking about uh, the opportunity to be able to learn uh, from some of the uh, the older uh, players. Um, I, I wanted to get your thoughts. Obviously, you knew um, coming in that you were going to get to uh, learn from Alex Morgan. And uh, just this week, we found out that you're also going to be uh, playing mm-hmm. with Marta. So what, uh, what what were your thoughts on that and, and uh, the opportunities you're hoping for, given that you're going to have those two to uh, to learn from? I mean, honestly, dream come true is all I can say. <laughs> but, um, I mean, just just wanting to learn, like, if I'm willing to learn from them and willing to do what I have to do, then I'm I'm just excited to be here. And, I'll, I mean, no matter what my role is on the team, I'm going to I'm just gonna stay focused and definitely learn from those above me because as a rookie, that's all I can do right now. And, I'm just trying to develop as a player and with those players around me, getting to play with them every day, like it definitely, I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to get better as a player. And it's, it's like, it's very, I feel so grateful that I get the opportunity to play against, I mean, play with some of the best players in the world. Yeah, you'll be you'll be playing with and against some of the best players in the world. In fact, seriously, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, Danica, you you you've gone through the preseason obviously, and, and you've played. Uh, you know, you guys played college teams other than the the U.S. U twenty three team. Um, it, it's kind of difficult to really know where you stack up against teams like uh, the one you'll be playing this weekend, Portland Thorns. Um, you know, from those experiences. But what can you tell us about? just sort of the style of, of play that Tom Sermani is bringing to, uh, to the, you know, to the forefront with the pride this season. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely we're, we're trying to get in behind teams, um, connect as much as possible, um, run off each other. And I think, I think it definitely is starting to come together. Um, in this, in our last game the tw- against the 23s, we had, we had great movement at top, um, 
with Jazz and Christina and I, we had um, Kristen Edmonds getting behind for the two goals. And I think that is definitely going to be a plus for us and make us more of a dangerous team. If we just, if we just um, are able to connect and connect out of the back and keep the ball and, and press when we need to, I think that we are definitely able to compete with anybody. And I think we have a good chance of, of definitely winning, winning multiple games this year. Well, you talked about, um, you know, uh, adjusting. Um, of course, you, you're coming in now. You've got a new coach and Coach Shermani. Um, how has it been so far uh, playing under him? And uh, what are your thoughts on his um, ideas for how the team is, um, you know, what shape they're going to have and um, how you guys are going to attack? Um, I mean, Definitely. It's kind of similar to my college team, actually. I mean, not similar, but the way that we're trying to play. So um, Tom is definitely um, wanting us, like I said, to get in behind the defense and try to create our way to goals. Um, but his knowledge is so, is like so amazing. I really, I like admire him as a coach. And I think him and Connor together are definitely what the team needs. And, they're both going to, they both, our training sessions every day are, they're helping us become better and helping us um, step forward to the next, the next day and help us get to this game against Portland. So I think if we just keep working hard in training and listening to what they really want us to do and focus in, I think that we're definitely going to compete with anyone this year. You know, one of the things that I'm always interested in is, is when a young player uh, comes in whether it's um, you know through a trade or, or you know draft pick is when you get here sort of you know who who on the team takes you under their wing and and shows you the ropes and kind of uh, becomes that mentor who, who are some of the players that have helped you along since you've arrived in Orlando? Um, I mean honestly the whole team has definitely welcomed me in, but I would say. Um, I mean, the ones that have really helped me are probably Maddie Evans, um, Jamia Fields, and Cammy Levin. Definitely um, are good like mentors for us, and we I definitely respect everybody here, and I think they they respect us too, which is which is a really good thing. But as a whole, the whole team has I wouldn't say there's not one person that hasn't welcomed us in, which is, which is so nice. And it's, it makes def, it makes coming here so much easier and it like, I'm already friends with everybody on the team. So. Well, that's great. Um, you, we know you already had your, uh, your ESPN moment, um, thanks to your <laughs> gymnastic skills. Um, this coming uh, weekend, you guys are going to have a lifetime uh, moment as uh, your game against Portland is going to be the first of the lifetime game of the weeks uh, to be nationally televised. Uh, and actually, you guys are going to be on seven out of the 22 throughout the uh, the season. Um, any, any, any thought to uh, pressure uh, regarding being on the national spotlight in that, in that manner? Uh, I mean... Nerves are definitely going to be there, but I think it's I think it's so so great that Lifetime partnered with NWSL. I think it just shows so much on where the women's game is coming and where it's going. So I think that I I mean for me, I'm telling my all my friends and family are like, can we watch your games? I'm like, yeah, you just watch turn on Lifetime television and. They find they're like, why lifetime? I'm like, I don't know, but still, just turn it on. It's gonna be cool. And they're like, that is so awesome. So, I, I mean, my whole family, all my friends are gonna be watching, and I know the world is gonna be watching, and definitely gonna be my first time on TV. So, <laughs> pretty excited about that. Why and lifetime? Because that's awesome that's who has these games. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. That's I'm funny. like, I don't know. <laughs> That's that's who that's who bought the the TV package. So that's who's going to be showing the games. Like, I never even knew Lifetime played soccer games. I was like, well, they never have before. So. <laughs> that's right. You guys are you guys are pioneers. It's really awesome that uh, that they stepped up like that and and um, became no, a partner so cool. of the league. Um, 
Danica, who are some of the players that sort of you you kind of molded your game after? Who's who were some of the the players that influenced your game? Um, growing up, um, I I mean, obviously, I really admired Ronaldo and Messi, and those were definitely my two favorite players growing up as a kid. But I definitely say that um, my favorite my favorite player like right now is probably Watson and I just love watching him definitely as a forward and I like to watch YouTube videos and watch all of them score goals and tell myself that I'm going to score goals like that one day and <laughs> hope for the best but no I definitely look for the top players in the world and try to try to watch what they do and I'm always watching soccer I got have little brothers and sisters that play soccer as well so we're always sitting in the living room watching um champions league and barcelona and all these teams play so it's pretty it's good that all these amazing players are on television every day so just kind of look for for the best and try to play after them well uh what parts of your game currently have you modeled off of those that you've been watching? What what parts do you think? Not that you necessarily have them down, but what parts do you think? Okay, yeah, that I'm I'm on that path. I'm I'm able to do that. I'm I'm grasping that concept or, or making that move. What which parts of your game are you doing that with? Um, I definitely would say my creativity with the ball and my ability to score goals. Um, I like watching. I like watching the way that they dribble at players and take them on and how, like how they're getting shots off. So I feel like I'm definitely a creative player when I have the ball at my foot and my finishing has definitely um, become a lot better over the years. And I think just having them like watching these professionals play helped me with like where I'm supposed to be in the box and how, like how they score and, I think that's definitely something that I've taken away from them. Danica, before we let you go, just wanted to sort of pick your brain a little bit on, on what, uh, you know, your, your season outlook is in terms of, you know, what your personal goals are and what you've talked to Tom about your role on the team being, uh, for your rookie season here in 2017. Um, definitely I'm gonna, I just want to develop and, develop as a player and no matter what my role is I'm just going to have a positive attitude and I want to help the team in any way I can if that's if that's on the on the field I'm going to work hard every day I'm going to do my best I'm going to defend I'm going to score goals and if that's not my role then I'm going to be positive and when I get my opportunities I'm going to make the most of them and I just want to I just want to um, become a great player, just like all these other um, players around me. And I want to. And if I'm here next year, I want to influence the the rookies and bring them in, just like all these girls have done for me. All right. Well, it all starts this Saturday against Portland Thorns FC. We'll uh, we'll see what happens uh, as a, as the team has a, a tough road game to open the season uh, here in year two for the for the Pride, which of course. The Pride will be playing their home games at the beautiful new Orlando City Stadium downtown here in Orlando. Uh, Danica, thank you so much for being with us. You've been you've been great, and and we've enjoyed having you on the program. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks once again to Danica Evans. Really, uh, a, a very impressive young lady, and we uh, hope that she has a very fruitful career in the NWSL. Um, and, uh, of course, that all starts this weekend for the Orlando Pride. So uh, hopefully with the 20-player roster just being announced uh, on Monday, you know, she's she's obviously one of the 20, and uh, Alex Morgan is uh, not going to be playing. So she should hopefully be dressing for that game, and uh, maybe we'll see her first cap. That'll be good. <laughs> that will be good. Um, but – We'll turn our attention back to Orlando City before we get out of here because we, of course, have to do our key matchups and predictions uh, for this Saturday's game. 3 o'clock 
on uh, which channel are we on this week? Is this a ESPN or is this a Fox game? Uh, I think it's a Fox game, but All right, well, maybe it is. Let me look it up because well, I was gonna say <laughs> as we're looking up, I I I think I looked earlier. I think it was a Fox. Yeah, I yes. It's a fox. I was definitely told everybody needs to be at the stadium uh, and in their seats at 3 o'clock. They're going to kick off at 3.01. It's a fox game. It's not one of those deals where you say, you know, oh, it's a 3 o'clock game, so they'll probably kick off at 3.20. No, no. Get to the stadium early. Um, And understand there was some, you know, we had had a story about the the lines to get into the stadium still being uh, problematic, and and some people are still having trouble with the ticketless, the paperless tickets. And stuff, but also we heard, uh, I heard this week uh, from the club that they had uh, some staffing issues that uh, I, I'm trying to get further clarification on. But um, the the bottom line was they they had all the gates open, but not all the lines in all the gates were open. So that was a little bit of part of the problem, and uh, they're hoping that's a one-time thing and that the, that situation is resolved. So, uh, and we know that the club will get this straightened out. It's I mean it's only been three home games. It's not going to be perfect just yet but by the end of this season it's going to be a well-oiled machine well and we talked about that i mean we we said that hey look there's changes coming it's going to be there are going to be glitches it's going to there are going to be problems just you know deal with it you know early it's worth it for the new stadium come on absolutely if you've seen a game there you know that it's just not it's nothing like the old uh the old building the old building you know we had some special moments there from usl and and mls but uh you know, the, there's nothing like Orlando City Stadium now. It is, it is, it has become a very special place in a very short amount of time. So it is the quintessential soccer stadium in the United States right now. Everybody is talking about it. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet. In fact, uh, for Sunday's game against the Red Bulls, I sat next to one of the writers for uh, Once a Metro, um, you know, the the SB Nation site that covers the Red Bulls, and uh, he was very, very impressed with the stadium and and. And just couldn't say enough nice things about it. So that's it's always good to hear when the visitors uh, are raving about your place. So, but Dave, uh, we've got the LA Galaxy coming in, and and you know surprisingly they're kind of uh, toward the bottom of the Western Conference playoff teams right now in terms of of the red line. Obviously, it's too early to make any real judgments about that. LA certainly has got some some very dangerous players. Uh, what do you think? is the key matchup for Saturday's game. Okay, so L.A. is coming in. They um, started their season off with two losses at home. Uh, one one away at Real Salt Lake. Uh, lost another at Vancouver and then won their last one at Montreal. The big thing for me, and it, it is the key matchup for me, is the acquisition they made for, and I'm going to say his last name wrong, Romain Alessandrino. Alessandrini. Yes, yes. I don't know if you're saying it right, but I do know that he's a good player. <laughs> that guy. All right. So since he's gotten there, he has done nothing less than score three goals and provide some assists. He is leading the team in goals, and he's only been there a little over half the time. That and and he's a midfielder. So I grant attacking midfielder, but he's a midfielder. So. The fact that he's come in that quickly, uh, making the adjustment to MLS, to a new team, to new players, to all that, and is still producing all of that, that tells me that he is a very, very dangerous uh, player that we need to be aware of. And thus is the matchup for me um, this weekend. Now, whether it's... Our midfield, whether it's, you know, Will Johnson that's got to be on him, whether it's uh, the back line and, you know, Spectre, it's got to, it, it doesn't matter. So the, the defensive half the field against Romain, because I'm going to say that one because I know that name, <laughs> that's that's the key matchup for me uh, against the, the Galaxy. I'm not saying that they don't have other players that can uh, make contributions, but the impact he's had on their season since he got there. That's obviously the key matchup. All right. Well, I'm, 
I am going to uh, to say that yes, that's certainly one of the more intriguing matchups is is keeping Alessandrini down, uh, you know, quiet. Uh, certainly, uh, also Giovanni dos Santos clearly is a is a player that Orlando struggled with last year. Um, and I'm going to even say probably my matchup to watch is, is to keep the bombing runs of, of Emmanuel Boateng quiet. He's a he's a player that can be a very uh, big difference maker in the attack, and I, I think that the, he's a player that, that hurt Orlando City last year, and so Emmanuel Boateng is the player that I'd like to see them keep quiet this year, because if he's not providing service to those guys up front, uh, you know, if he's not able to do that, that's that's going to certainly maximize Orlando's chances of, of coming out with all three points again at home, and, you know, they've got so many attacking options. They've got you know, besides Alessandrini and, and Dos Santos, and they've got uh, Jossi Zardes uh, back in the lineup. And, and Jermaine Jones just scored his first goal. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys that can hurt you on that LA Galaxy roster. And I think that Boateng is one of the guys who sort of stirs the drink, so to speak. I think he's a guy that I'd like to see Orlando City's defensive midfield shut down uh, and not let him get up into the corners where he can he can serve in balls to uh, and, and make – you know, make a, a defender go the wrong way and then cut inside him. So he, that's my key matchup. Dave, what are you thinking score-wise? All right, so... Your match prediction. I need your prediction. I'm going to do the same thing I did last week. And that is, while I think that it's going to be a draw, and I'm thinking 2-2, I'm actually going to predict a 2-1 Orlando City victory. I know. Now wait, wait for it. So, uh, Alessandrini, he gets one, but the guys that did not score last week that I said would will score this week. Kyle finally gets his uh, head straight. So does Rivas. Rivas gets his first of the year. Two goals for Orlando City. One goal for LA Galaxy. The home win streak continues, and there we go. All right, I am. Um, I'm going into this week. I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh oh. Somewhat. Um, I think that Orlando City can get a result. I don't know if they can get a victory. Uh, there's just so much firepower when you look at it. What really concerns me is LA's. LA's got so many weapons that can hurt you. It's not just one or two guys that you need to worry about. You know, most teams, you look around, you go, sure, theoretically, there's 10 guys on the field at any given time that could score. Uh, but realistically, there's two or three guys that you really need to concern yourself with. But not so with L.A. I think they really have about six, seven guys that you really have to watch carefully. And I think that, um, you know, Orlando City is going to need to do that. They're going to need to to have a little bit sharper um, focus defensively. Uh than they had against the Red Bulls. I don't think they they can allow guys to have free headers like they did uh, on on Sunday. So I'm gonna go with a one-one draw. I think I just that just number just creeps into my psyche and says this is just is my gut talking, and it's just gonna be one-one. I, I think that Orlando's certainly been bitten. I think by its inability to finish this season. There's been some some goals left on the table, and. Um, that could cost the team some points this weekend. I think that, I mean, you look at it realistically, the team's played four games and scored four goals. So that's not going to get it done. I don't know when that breakout is coming. It sure, sure would be nice to have a repeat of two years ago against LA. Uh, and what they did that day was a 4-1 victory. And everybody got in the act. Defensive midfielders were scoring in that game. So, right. um, you know, I, I just would like to see uh, a good result finish up this homestand. And um, but I'm I'm predicting a one-one draw, and I, I hope that Orlando can actually improve upon that prediction. So once again, we're back to hoping that I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah, and I think if you, if you <laughs> like if you go through your life betting on me to be wrong, you're probably going to do pretty well overall for yourself. Um, well, yeah, I'm a, but I'm let's, a notoriously let's, let's, bad predictor because I listen. I, let's let's not let's not put the listeners out there thinking <laughs> that they should bet on what I'm saying either. Well, That's a bad way to I go. I didn't say that. I'm just saying, you know, my, no, I'm saying that I go with my gut and my gut is frequently, um, I don't know, just not, not uh, insane. See, with what's no, going on. I'm with you. My gut says a tie, <laughs> but, but here's the, here's the thing though. 
what has surprised me about this start to this season is that is that this this stadium has meant more than I thought it would than I than I expected it to. At some I point, agree. at some point, the, the the that magical run will will come to an end, but hopefully not this weekend. And hopefully, uh, even if it even if the win streak comes to a loss or comes to a, an end, hopefully it won't be a loss. It'll just be a draw, and, and they could still stay unbeaten in the new place. I mean, it's let's let's put it this way: when we do this, I have a I have a notepad in front of me, and I do <laughs> this. So, like, I wrote down two dash one. That was going to be my prediction. And then I changed it to 2-2. And then I checked myself and I said, you know what? No. Mm-hmm. 2-1 because of the stadium, because of the supporters, because that they are already seeming to play better in the stadium. I mean, they are feeding off the supporters. They are feeding off of that stadium. It is obvious that that has happened is happening so um i mean i went back and forth with like in the the time that it from the time that you said hey what's your prediction i went back and forth three or four times (laughs) you know my my head going "Ah, it's going to be a draw and my heart going nah they're gonna win it um and you know what i predicted a win last week i figured why the heck not let's let's predict that same thing again maybe it'll happen again all right you're a flip-flopper um, what? I won last. <laughs> I, I was right last week. I'm just saying you flip-flopped. You even admitted it just a minute uh, ago. Anyway. Yes, yes. When, uh, yeah, being right fixes a lot of things. Well, yeah. You know, I'm just saying. I'm not talking about last week. I'm talking about this prediction. You flip-flopped on this prediction. Uh, I hope you're right. Uh, I do. Uh, or, Orlando City has um, only conceded three goals this year. LA has conceded eight. So that kind of is a good stat for Orlando City fans that, to feel good about because, uh, you know, L.A. has been a little bit sloppy in the back. And, and you know, Van Damme, their, their outstanding um, center back, has, has even had some issues this year. So, uh, And I was actually looking at that. They actually had – they're at a, uh, a, a negative one goal differential. We're at a positive one goal differential. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that also bodes well. They've scored seven goals, though, to Orlando's four. Now, granted, in, in more games, so – uh, but right. anyway. they will one more game, but they've, you know, they've <laughs> given up more too, you know? Yeah. So anyway, um, I think I have a feeling that some Jermaine Jones is just the kind of jerk that would score against us. So, you know, he's just, he's one of those, <laughs> he's one of those hardworking dudes that just gets under your skin and just, dang it. You know, I mean, he's, he's like, if you pick out the one guy on the other team, you don't want to score a goal. Usually that's the guy that scores the goal. Like a Kai Kamara, <laughs> you know? Oh God. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's guys like that. And, and, um, I mean, that's probably, it's probably gonna be Jermaine Jones. So for, I think for Orlando city, my goodness, Carlos Rivas is overdue. Um, so overdue. I, I, I think maybe he just bonks one in off his, off the back of his head or, or chest or something that, and just gets one the, sl- the sloppy way, but they all count. So, the same. Somebody kicks it and it, it bounces off his rear end and Hits goes him in the face. Right. And, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever, whatever it takes. Uh, I have a, I have, it's not really a bet. I told, I told Austin in the press box the other day that, that Matias Perez Garcia will never score a goal for Orlando city. It really? Just, he just seems to be so, that guy is just so snake bitten. He either just barely misses, or when he gets it on frame, or, or he hits the post, or when he gets it on frame, the goalkeeper makes an unbelievable save. Ever since he's been with Orlando, his shots have been mostly that type. It's like, oh, here's a gimme. Oh, he's going to score. Oh, he missed the net. Or he hit the post. Or, oh, my goodness, what a save that was. And and then, you know, then there's been the, the odd shots that have been, like, not even close, like last week. Um, he, he that was liter- sending it in the stands, yeah. Yeah, he, he literally put one in the upper deck. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's, I, I don't know that it's ever going to happen for MPG. Um, but if he gets one, it could snowball into a whole bunch because he just needs, maybe just needs a little confidence. Maybe he's just trying to be a little too fine. I don't know with that final ball. Well, yeah, yeah. So it, it could be, it, it could be exactly that, that what you're talking about, or, you know, just basic math at some point. It's one one of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to score or he's going to be gone. One of those things things <laughs> is going to happen. So, either he's he scores, he's gone, whatever. So, you know, 
I'm not going to go with you on the whole. He never scores for Orlando City unless it's <laughs> un- unless it's that. Okay, you're out of here. Uh, otherwise, I think it happens at some point for the young lad. Uh, well, I say young, but you know, yeah, he's not that young. That's part yeah, of the he's reason. not he's not that young. But it's a part it, of the reason that he he actually won't be around very long. Oh, uh, all right, he's younger than you and I. Well, that's not saying much. That's setting a low bar, my friend. That is that is that is a low bar. You're right, but anyway, I I. Uh, I'm hopeful for the lad that he actually gets a goal at some point. All right, so maybe Rivas gets the the goal for Orlando, and maybe Jermaine Jones gets it for LA. That's kind of what I'm what I'm my gut is telling me. And again, and then I'm saying Kyle gets one also. That's my, it. My gut is frequently wrong, and uh, you know I've I've had the indigestion to to prove it many times. And my gut says, hey, have that extra taco. And it's like <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> You were wrong again. I shouldn't have had that one more. Uh, so yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, but anyway, I think I think that that pretty much wraps up our our coverage of the LA Galaxy game coming up. We'll be back next week to talk about it uh, some more and break that down. And and of course, then we'll have uh, official Pride games to watch uh, and 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 to to comment on. And and of course, OCB back in action. So uh, there's going to be a lot. There's uh, they're going to be coming thick and heavy. Here in the next few weeks, uh, more and more games and more and more stuff for us to talk about, which is good because we enjoy talking about soccer. We do, and and I think that our new sign-off should be uh, don't have that extra taco. Yeah. No, just stick with the halftime burrito and you'll be fine. Right. Halftime burrito, no extra taco. That's right. Halftime burrito is is such a thing. It so needs to be a thing. Uh, so we need to all band together and make the halftime, halftime burrito a thing. Uh, anyway, um, that'll do it for episode number 81 of the Mainland Podcast. We want to thank again uh, Danica Evans of the Orlando Pride for stopping by. We hope she has a very productive rookie season. Uh, and also thanks to uh, Jackie Maynard of the Pride communication staff for uh, setting that up. And uh, we appreciate all the hard work those folks do. Um, we want to remind you, please uh, read our stuff at themainland.com. Uh, check us out on uh, Twitter at the mainland and of course like our facebook page and uh, if you like what you hear on this podcast please go to itunes and leave us a a glowing review and and we would really uh be indebted to you in uh, in ways that only dave could think of to repay you for i don't know um but anyway uh for dave rowe i am michael citra the founder and managing editor of the mainland and i'm going to sign off like i always do by saying go city